Well, hello, adventurers, and welcome to Skyrim Book Club. Today, we are proud to present the vocal talents of Sean Rowland. Sean is a musician, voice actor, and host of the Bombshell Brothers YouTube channel. Listeners will be particularly interested to know that he is also the voice talent behind the upcoming re-release of the Skyrim mod, Read Aloud Books. Upon completion, this mod will allow you to pick up any book in Skyrim and experience a fully voiced, dramatic reading of its contents. Look for it soon at Nexus Mods. We're delighted to have Sean contributing to the show, and we have no doubt that you'll look forward to the high quality and remarkable talent he brings to each of his readings. Until next time, my friends, enjoy the book. 15 First Seed 2920, Kersuvio Cyrodiil. From their vantage point high in the hills, the Emperor Riemann III could still see the spires of the Imperial City, but he knew he was far away from hearth and home. Lord Glavius had a luxurious villa, but it was not close to being large enough to house the entire army within its walls. Tents lined the hillsides, and soldiers were flocking to enjoy his lordship's famous hot springs. Little wonder winter chill still hung in the air. Prince Juilek, your son, is not feeling well. When potentate Vesidushai spoke, the emperor jumped. How that Arkavir could slither across the grass without making a sound was a mystery to him. Poisoned, I'd wager, grumbled Raymond. See to it he gets a healer. I told him to hire a taster like I have, but the boy's headstrong. There are spies all around us. I know it. I believe you're right, your imperial majesty, said Vasudyu Shai. These are treacherous times, and we must take precautions to see that Morrowind does not win this war, either on the field or by more insidious means. That is why I would suggest that you not lead the vanguard into battle. I know you would want to as your illustrious ancestors, Riemann I, Brazolus Dor, and Riemann II did, but I fear it would be foolhardy. I hope you do not mind me speaking frankly like this. No, nodded Riemann. I think you're right. Who would lead the vanguard, then? I would say Prince Suelek, if he were feeling better, replied the Akavir. Failing that storic of Farun, with Queen Nagea of Reverhold at left flank, and Warchith Ulakth of Lilmoth at right flank. A Khajiit at left flank and an Argonian at right, frowned the Emperor. I never do trust beast folk. The potentate took no offense. He knew that beast folk referred to the natives of Tamriel, not to the Shesi of Akavir like himself. I quite agree, your Imperial Majesty. But you must agree that they hate the Danmar. Ulakth has a particular grudge after all the slave raids on his land by the Duke of Mournhold. The Emperor conceded it was so, and the Potentate retired. It was surprising, thought Riemann, but for the first time the Potentate seemed trustworthy. He was a good man to have on one side. 18 First Seed 2920, Ald Efaud Morrowind. How far is the Imperial Army? asked Vivek. Two days march, replied his lieutenant. If we march all night tonight, we can get to higher ground at Priai tomorrow morning. Our intelligence tells us the Emperor will be commanding the rear, Storig of Ferron has the vanguard, Nagea of Riverhold the left flank, and Ulakth of Lilmoth at right flank. Ulakth, whispered Vivek, an idea forming. Is this intelligence reliable? Who brought it to us? A Breton spy in the Imperial Army, said the lieutenant, and gestured towards a young sandy-haired man who stepped forward and bowed to Vivek. What is your name and why is a Breton working for us against the Cyrodiils? asked Vivek, smiling. My name is Kessir Whitley of Dwinin, said the man, and I am working for you because not everyone can say he spied for a god, and I understood it would be, well, profitable. 
Vivek laughed. It will be, if your information is accurate. Nineteen First Seed 2920, Bodrum's Morrowind. The quiet hamlet of Bodrum looked down on the meandering river, the Priai. It was an idyllic site, lightly wooded, where the water took the bend around a steep bluff to the east with a gorgeous wildflower meadow to the west. The strange flora of Morrowind met the strange flora of Cyrodiil on the border and commingled gloriously. There will be time to sleep when you finished! The soldiers had been hearing that all morning. It was not enough that they had been marching all night. Now they were chopping down trees on the bluff and damming the river so its waters spilled over. Most of them had reached the point where they were too tired to complain about being tired. Let me be certain I understand, my lord, said Vivek's lieutenant. We take the bluff so we can fire arrows and spells down on them from above. That's why we need all the trees cleared out. Damming the river floods the plain below so they'll be trudging through mud, which should hamper their movement. That's exactly half of it, said Vivek approvingly. He grabbed a nearby soldier who was hauling off the trees. Wait, I need you to break off the straightest, strongest branches of the trees and whittle them into spears. If you recruit a hundred or so others, it won't take you more than a few hours to make all we need. The soldier wearily did as he was bade. The men and women got to work, fashioning spears from the trees. If you don't mind me asking, said the lieutenant, the soldiers don't need any more weapons. They're too tired to hold the ones they've got. Those spears aren't for holding said Vivek, and whispered, If we tired them out today, they'll get a good night's sleep tonight, before he got to work supervising their work. It was essential that they be sharp, of course, but equally important that they be well-balanced and tapered proportionately. The perfect point for stability was a pyramid, not the conical point of some lances and spears. He had the men hurl the spears they had completed to test their strength, sharpness, and balance, forcing them to begin on a new one if they broke. Gradually, out of sheer exhaustion from doing it wrong, the men learned how to create the perfect wooden spears. Once they were through, he showed them how they were going to be arranged and where. That night, there was no drunken pre-battle carousing, and no nervous neophytes stayed up worrying about the battle to come. As soon as the sun sank beneath the wooded hills, the camp was at rest, but for the centuries. 21st Seed, 2920, Bodrum Morrowind Miramor was exhausted. For the last six days, he had gambled and hoard all night and marched all day. He was looking forward to the battle, but even more than that, he was looking forward to some rest afterwards. He was in the Emperor's command at the rear flank, which was good because it seemed unlikely he would be killed. On the other hand, it meant traveling over the mud and waste the army ahead left in their wake. As they began to trek through the wildflower field, Miramor and all the soldiers around him sank ankle deep in cold mud. It was an effort to keep even moving. Far, far up ahead, he could see the vanguard of the army led by Lord Storig emerging from the meadow at the base of a bluff. That was when it all happened. An army of Dunmer. An army of Dunmer appeared above the bluff like rising Daedra, pouring fire and floods of arrows down on the vanguard. Simultaneously, a company of men bearing the flag of the Duke of Mournhold galloped around the shore, disappearing along the shallow river's edge where it dipped into a timbered glen to the east. Warchief Ulath nearby on the right flank let out a bellow of revenge at the sight and gave chase. Queen Nagea sent her flank towards the embankment to the west to intercept the army on the bluff. The emperor could think of nothing to do. His troops were too bogged down to move forward quickly and join the battle. He ordered them to face east towards the timber in case Mornhold's company was trying to circle around through the woods. They never came out but many men facing west missed the battle entirely. Miramor kept his eyes on the bluff. A tall Dunmer he supposed must have been Vivek gave a signal and the battle mages cast their spells at something to the west. 
From what transpired, Miramore deduced it was a dam. A great torrent of water spilled out, washing Negea's left flank into the remains of the vanguard, and two together down the river to the east. The emperor paused, as if waiting for his vanquished army to return, and then called a retreat. Miramore hid in the rushes until they had passed by, and then waded as quietly as he could to the bluff. The Morrowind army was retiring as well back to their camp. He could hear them celebrating above him as he padded along the shore. To the east he saw the Imperial army. They had been washed into a net of spears, strung across the river. Nagea's left flank on Storag's vanguard on Ulakth's right flank, bodies of hundreds of soldiers strung together like beads. Miramore took whatever valuables he could carry from the corpses and then ran down the river. He had to go many miles before the water was clear again, unpolluted by blood. A twenty-nine, first seed, twenty-nine, twenty, Higathe Hammerfell. You have a letter from the Imperial City, said the chief priestess, handing the parchment to Corda. All the young priestesses smiled and made faces of astonishment, but the truth was that Corda's sister Arisia wrote very often, at least once a month. Corda took the letter to the garden to read it to her favorite place, an oasis in the monochromatic sand-colored world of the conservatorium. The letter itself was nothing unusual, filled with court gossip, the latest fashions, which were tending to wine-dark velvet, and reports of the Emperor's ever-growing paranoia. "'You are so lucky to be away from all this,' wrote Rija. "'The Emperor is convinced that his latest battlefield fiasco is all a result of spies in the palace. He has even taken to questioning me. Rupta, keep it so you never have a life as interesting as mine.' Corda listened to the sounds of the desert and prayed to Ruptka, the exact opposite wish." The year has continued in Rain's hand. 